Hey friends, welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark, and I really appreciate you stopping by this week. Um, well, the summer is getting close to being over. I hope it's been a good summer for you. Um, by the time you're listening to this episode, I will most likely be walking the Canterbury Trail in England. Um, it'll be my first actual pilgrimage, and uh, this podcast is themed around the idea of pilgrimage. Every episode is meant to be a kind of story along the way for us pilgrims trying to keep faith as we walk towards Jesus, who is the joy set before us. Um, That's my hope, that in this confusing, painful world, the Lord will walk with us as we go, and that the Holy Spirit will fill us as we speak to one another, as we help each other. Keep walking in faith, trusting Jesus. So that's the idea of this podcast, and that's the idea in one way or another of making songs, podcasts, books, uh, even just conversations, house concerts, or whatever. The things that I make or that you make, they can be like little meeting places along the way where we get a chance to make contact with the beautiful, good truth of who Jesus really is and what he's done to bring us home to his and our Father's house. So I hope that this trilogy of albums can do some good in that way, can bear some eternal fruit. That's, um, that's kind of an ongoing prayer of mine. So as we get close to finishing up with this series of podcasts for this season, I'm really praying that this book and these songs that make up Only the Lover Sings will go out into the world and play some little part in making the face of Jesus visible for someone who may be sitting thirsty to death beside a dry well in the burning heat. I'd like to introduce you to Junius Johnson, who wrote an essay response to the second-to-last song on the album called That Won't Stop Him. If you've been following along or if you've already read the book, then you know that this whole project emerged from a long season of grief after the traumatic death of my own marriage some years ago. And the Lord kept bringing me back to this meeting between the Samaritan woman and Jesus at Jacob's well. Just again and again, it kept coming up. So over a five or six year period, that scene in John 4 became a life-giving place of healing for me in, in a season of death. I just kept watching this woman who, like me, had come to believe that death and darkness and thirst was all there could be from this point on. And I watched her discover 
to her surprise, that her story was actually far from over. I watched her discover as Jesus met her there in that place of death that a whole realm of beloved possibility was actually within reach. Now Jesus didn't Jesus didn't dismiss all that grief and death. He didn't sweep it under the rug and invalidate it. He faced it realistically. It was real death that had taken hold of the Samaritan woman, and real death and sorrow had taken hold of me, too. And Jesus helped me be honest about that. But he also took me further. He took me into a hope that I couldn't account for, I couldn't imagine. Um, As we entered into death together, Jesus assured me that his love for me was exactly the same as it had always been, that nothing had changed for him, even though everything had changed for me. And that gave me the courage to dwell in that darkness, in that death valley, um, because he had already made it his dwelling long before I had arrived there. So much sorrow comes our way in this life, and some of it, some of it comes from outside of us, piercing us like a cruel, flaming arrow. And some of it comes from our own wayward hearts. It wears us out from within. And some of it just seems to be in the aching, groaning world itself, like some cancer that has fused to and confused creation at large. But here's what I found out. That the ancient Hebrew psalmists were telling God's honest truth when they said, His love endures forever. It really does endure forever. This week's song is called That Won't Stop Him, which I think is just another way of saying what the psalmist proclaimed so long ago, that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. You think that sin will stop him from offering you a place in his family? Repent. Change your mind. Believe the good news. His love endures that too. You think your divorce will change the way Jesus feels about you? Repent. Believe the good news. His love endures that. You think the pain, the anger, the grief you're suffering is too much for Jesus to sit in with you? Repent. Believe the good news. His love patiently endures with you in your sorrow. And on and on. Every place of death that we're willing to enter we will find Jesus has already made uh, has already made that a dwelling place of his enduring love nothing that our enemies our own broken hearts or the confused world can dish out can breach the durability of Jesus's love and if god is for us well we're going to make it home he will make sure of that But, in order to live, Jesus has made it clear that we must be willing to die. Someone said recently that it's pretty hard for God to resurrect someone who's unwilling to die. But the story Jesus has revealed to us lets us in on a big secret, and it's this. 
that death ain't what it used to be. It used to be a dead end. But on the cross, and every cross we're willing to face, he makes the place of deadly catastrophe into a good catastrophe, like we talked about last week with Tolkien's term eucatastrophe. But we can't, and we need not, run from death anymore, since Jesus has made it his own. Death is now just a midwife for new birth, and ultimately, for resurrection. So this story, that is so full of death, has an endlessly good ending, friends. Repent and believe. Why? Because the news is so good. His love endures forever and ever and ever until endless ages. Having said that, let me step aside and introduce you to this week's featured essayist, Junius Johnson. I'm so thankful for Junius. I'm thankful for his willingness to be a part of this project. I haven't gotten to spend a great deal of time with him uh, in real life, but when I sent him an early demo of Only the Lover Sings, the whole album, he wrote back and he told me that he wept through much of the album because it connected to some of his own pain. And that really, that really encouraged me to know that somehow these songs might find a, you know, a sort of landing place with somebody and be helpful in some way. So, a little about Junius. Junius Johnson is an independent scholar, musician, and writer with expertise in historical and systematic theology. He writes articles both scholarly and popular, considering theological aspects of beauty, imagination, and culture, and their implications for the Christian life. He holds a Ph.D. in Philosophical Theology from Yale University and is the author of four books, including The Father of Lights, A Theology of Beauty from Baker Academic. He's an engaging speaker and teacher, and he's a member of the Cultivating Project, and he also offers online courses in theology, literature, and Latin through Junius Johnson Academics, and the website for that is Academics. JuniusJohnson.com or at JuniusJohnson.com. That last part about Junius's online courses is no joke. He's got tons of fascinating courses going on at his online school. There's so much good stuff about storytelling, imagination, literature, and theology. So do go and check out those resources. Um, again, I'm really glad to introduce you to Junius as he reads this short excerpt from his essay in the book Only the Lover Sings, uh, where he's responding to the song That Won't Stop Him. And his essay is entitled, All You Have to Do is Die, The Power of Abiding in Death. The fantasies and the trivialities with which I have delighted my soul turn out to be venom and filth of the most perverse sort. When I indulge in anger and unforgiveness, when I delight in lust and gluttony, when I wrap myself in deceit, when I revel in pride or give in to unbelief, 
in all of these things, I am deforming and disfiguring my soul. My original and only beauty is to be this image of God, unrepeatable and irreplaceable in all of reality. Yet I turn my back on that, taking a hammer to the priceless statue and smashing its perfection to bits for no reason that makes any good sense in the light of judgment. I have traded the glories of eternity for a pack of gum. And then there is this, and to be honest, when I truly see my guilt right, I hate this. That he undergoes the greatest agony possible to a human for me. That he dies for me. That he forgave me before I asked, before I was even sorry. That even in the moment that I was breaking his heart, the worst, he was forgiving me. But this can't be. For if he forgives me, he runs the risk of making light of all that I have done. There is a risk that my victims will not get the justice they deserve because I am not suffering as I ought. The gospel of Christ is good enough news to one who does not really understand sin because such a one is able to accept forgiveness of sin without too much trouble. But to the one who does understand sin, the one who has really been awakened to its severity and degradation, the gospel promise of remission is almost offensive. It seems to make light of sin, to excuse it even. At a deep level, I do not want this forgiveness, because my sense of justice demands that the perpetrator be hanged, and because I can at least salvage some shred of personal honor in going willingly, in affirming that this is what I deserve. And so, by my dying, my dying, not his, in some small measure to atone for what I have done. That he should want to stop all that from happening is out of proportion with the nature of my sin and borders on the offensive. And yet, only he can do this. I do not want him to die for my sin. I want to die for my own sin as the completion of my atonement. But this is just how I got into this mess in the first place. Trying to replace God with myself. Trying to take on myself what must be left to God alone. I cannot atone. Not one iota. The ones who love me, however much I hurt them, are not served by my death. They are only further hurt in the face of what they can only interpret as an ultimate rejection, a final, senseless act of selfishness. For love does not atone by fleeing, but by abiding. But I cannot let go of my own sense of justice and shame. I am dead in my sins, and so I lack the agency I need to accept this gift of salvation. In such a situation, where I lie on the land of death and cannot accept the promise of life, how can even a resurrected God save me? This is what it feels like to be dead in my sin. But if the problem is death, even if my death in my sin then we can confidently reply that that won't stop him. Christ shows conclusively in his passion that death is no barrier, that he is happy to cross that boundary to retrieve us if need be. Thanks so much, Junius, for being a part of this project. Um, if you want to read the rest of Junius's essay, you can order your own copy of Only the Lover Sings on Amazon right now, and you can listen to the song That Won't Stop Him today, wherever you listen to music online.
Before I close this out by reading the lyrics to this song, I'd love to invite you, if you find this podcast, these songs, or the book at all helpful, to consider partnering with me in this work as a patron. Uh, It's pretty costly to keep this work going, and also I love to have folks with me in what I do, just praying and joining me in the process. So if that sounds interesting, then you can give a one-time gift, or you can become a monthly patron partner. So you can find out more about that by visiting my website, matthewclark.net slash partner. That said, I will wind us up this week by reading the lyrics to the song that Junius chose. It's called, That Won't Stop Him. Buried in a drawer, like a pine wood box, there's a ring that used to shine like a promise, but it doesn't anymore. Or at the coffee place, I found a little note It said, another lonely day, like a message from a stranded castaway. And it can happen like that to any one of us. Life just ain't what you thought it was. But that won't stop him. That won't stop him from making new life. Making new life. I hear the whispers now, all with a tongue so sharp. They can fill you full of holes if you let them, leave you paralyzed with doubt. There's so many ways that we can go so wrong. Every one of us is broken, bleeding, and we're too ashamed to show our face. But that won't stop him. That won't stop him from making new life. Jesus, You are here. You're right here in the middle of death. But that never stopped you. It never stopped you before. All right, friends. His love endures forever. That is good news. Um, That is good news that can be fully honest about all the suffering in the world. I mean, in fact, that's the point of the word endure, right? Um, We have a real companion in our sorrows and one who has promised to go with us through them and bring us home. That is is so good. So, Please go check out all of Junius' great material online. Uh, I'll post links in the podcast show notes on my website. And I hope you have a great week as the summer is winding down. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week on 1000 Words. Jesus, you are here. You're right here. In the middle of death. Jesus, you are here. You're right here. In the middle of death But that never stopped you Never stopped you before No, that never stopped you Never stopped 
you before 